Good evening and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're so glad you're able to be with us on this Wednesday evening. And uh, we trust and pray that God is leading you in paths of adventure. And uh, great things are in store for his followers. Praise God. We're looking into the word of the Lord tonight. And uh, so thankful that you're able to join us. I know there's other things that can be you can be doing, but you're spending some time watching and listening to uh, the things uh, of God, and so we're very thankful for that. Tonight, I want to talk about something that uh, has been coming up the last couple of days between our service on Sunday, which we apologize for our technical difficulties. Unfortunately, at our uh, sanctuary, we're unable to get the right amount of broadband to uh, really do an effective job on video so we record and then upload later and there were some technical difficulties that didn't allow us to get the service recorded so we apologize for that but in our service on Sunday and then also in our Grace College class on Monday night we began to talk about some of these things and so I just felt like uh, it was something that we needed to share and talk about a little bit tonight so I'm reading from uh, Luke chapter 19 is going to be my first scripture, Luke chapter 19, and I'm just going to, I want to read just one familiar portion of scripture, verse number 10, and then we're going to turn over to the book of John for just a second. Uh, this is Jesus talking, and he says in verse 10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and and to save that which is lost. And then over in John chapter 17, uh, I want to read just one scripture. Again, this is Jesus talking. And he says this, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And uh, I feel led of the Lord tonight just to talk to you a little bit about five keys to intimacy with God. Five Keys to Intimacy with God. Uh, I've told our church, and, and I can say it here publicly, I, I felt like the Lord about six or seven years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, began to shift my focus as a preacher from trying to worry about or to tell somebody how to get to heaven. Uh, and I felt like the Lord was letting me know that that's not my job. My job is to tell people how to get to Jesus to introduce them to Jesus and start a relationship with the Lord. And in their relationship with the Lord, through the intimacy of that relationship, um, heaven becomes a byproduct of that relationship. And so <clears throat> throughout the last several years, I have focused more on, now I believe in heaven and I'm looking forward to it and I want everybody to go there. Um, but I believe my focus to get there instead of uh, accomplishing a list or having certain things happen, <clears throat> it's uh, the Lord has said, just get get people to Jesus and get yourself to Jesus. And the more intimate that I've gotten with him, the more powerful it is <clears throat> uh, in my relationship with him today, as well as preparing me for the day when the trumpet sounds. And one of the reasons why I said that is because of Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Uh, a lot of people preach that and quote that verse and never realize exactly where um, that passage is found. That passage is found at the closing 
of the conversation that Jesus has with Zacchaeus in his house. And those that remember the Sunday school story, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, climbed up into a sycamore tree. Well, <clears throat> because he wanted to see the Lord. And when the Lord passed by, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house today. See, Zacchaeus was not lost. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was going to be in the tree. Jesus knew the path that he had to choose to take to get to Zacchaeus. He knew exactly where Zacchaeus was. And I'm of the belief that no human being is actually lost. We like to classify the lost as those that aren't part of the body of Christ, those that haven't been saved. But that's not what was lost. I believe that God knows where every person is, what they're going through, what they're experiencing. But what was lost is what was broken in the Garden of Eden, which was intimacy with God. I believe that when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a break because they used to meet in the cool of the day and they were there was no fear, uh, there was no apprehension until sin entered. And from that point in time, I believe that God's plan was to restore, or the biblical term could be reconcile, that relationship of intimacy with his created beings. <clears throat> Excuse me, and he wants us to have that close intimacy with him. And so Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That which was lost was that divine communion and pure communion with deity, with God himself. And so that takes you to John chapter 17, where John tells us this is what eternal life is, that we might know thee. And that word know there in Greek has more to do than just with head knowledge, but it's an intimacy word. It is a word that tells us or challenges us to get intimate with God. And I believe that <clears throat> intimacy with God isn't just a nice idea. It's just not a platitude. It's not a utopia. It's not icing on the cake. But I believe that when God made us, when he created humanity, he created humanity with the idea of communion with him, uh, to worship him. And I believe that he created in us a place or a space, if you will, that begged for intimacy. And when he created Adam, he looked at Adam and said, Adam is not good. He needs to have uh, someone that's created with him. So he created Eve. And I believe that's twofold. I believe he created Eve for Adam, but I also believe that it is a representation of, that God wanted to have a relationship with his people. And so uh, humans, I believe, are designed for intimacy with God and with others. I believe that we are a community-based people. I believe that we uh, that deeply knit into each and every one of us uh, is a desire to have interaction and have connections with both God and with others. But so often it seems sometimes like intimacy is a mystery and something that either happens uh, or doesn't happen, that it can't be something that is uh, created. It's just kind of, you know, we use the term in relationships with uh, our loved ones, I, well, I fell in love. Well, what did you do, trip in a hole and fall flat in your face in, in love? No, there were some things that intrigued you, but then you had to do some... Uh, uh, you had to add some components of that intimacy. You had to learn to cultivate it. You had to learn to grow in it. And uh, I, I can tell you that uh, with my wife, I loved her from the first moment I saw her, but that wasn't reciprocated right away. And over time, we we cultivated that. And, 
And over the course of about four years, we cultivated a relationship and we're still trying to cultivate that relationship deeper even today. And, and we need to, and everybody needs to. And so I want to just spend about five minutes with, or five minutes, about a few minutes with the five keys to cultivating intimacy with God. And as I teach this, um, it, it applies with our, uh, with our man-to-man relationship, human-to-human relationship, not just us to God. But the, the first key to intimacy is time spent. Uh, Jesus, over and over in Scripture, uh, the Bible says that he withdrew himself from the crowds, or he went up into the solitary place, and he left the groups or the crowds and the multitudes and, and went where he could pray and be on his own and restore his energy. And it's in these intimate moments that we begin to discover who we are and what our purpose is. Uh, if we're distracted by everything that's going on around us and we don't pull back and spend some time with just me and the Lord, I lose track of who I am. I lose track of my purpose in life. And uh, in fact, in, in the book of Mark, when in one of these occasions where Jesus pulls away from the crowds, it tells us that Peter comes to get Jesus to talk to the crowds and that have gathered to hear him teach and preach. And Jesus' answer is actually no. He has other plans for that day. Uh, so Jesus wasn't distracted by the lure of fame or the expectations of others, of his friends, of strangers. And so in this time that he spent alone with the Lord, with, with God, he increased a wisdom and a deeper understanding of what, as a man, he was supposed to do. And it's in time that we spend together that we become more like one another. It's amazing to me to watch two different people through the years as I've um, been blessed to unite several people in marriage and, and do pre-marriage counseling and then watch their marriage grow after the, the ceremony. It's amazing to watch how two people who are actually quite different from one another make a commitment to one another and then they get married and they begin to spend time together and a year, two years, three years, 10 years down uh, the line, they become like one another. Uh, and uh, that's that's not accidental. That's because time was spent. Uh, the simple fact is, is we become like those that we spend time with or that we spend time with. And, and so time spent is a key factor to deepening relationships, but with God, both with God and with others, but it's very vital that you spend personal time uh, with one another because uh, you become what you spend time with. If all my time is spent on my hobbies, that's become that becomes more important than anything else. And I and I have to catch myself and pull back and say, no, no, no. What's more important, having a relationship with my wife and kids, or my hobby? Is it more important to have? That's why I believe that <clears throat> church is so important. Coming to the church is more than just coming to a gathering of believers. The Bible references us as a building fitly framed together. But then he also tells us that we are the body of Christ, many members, one body. And when we aren't able to be in service or we decide not to go to service, uh, really it's like um, the body walking around without an arm or without an eye or without a vocal cord or without whatever body part 
uh, we represent within the body of Christ. It's it's when we gather together in one accord uh, and we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, we become intimate with one another. But as we're becoming intimate with one another in the uh, in the parameters of his presence, we are becoming one with him and becoming more like him. Uh, <clears throat> the Bible says that we want to become like him. We want the mind of Christ. We want to, uh, we want to be uh, somebody that uh, draws closer to him. And as we do that with time spent, our intimacy level with him goes way up. The second thing um, that I want to talk about may even seem, for those of you that know me very well, it may seem to be a little bit even out of left field for me, and that is stirred affections. Um, we have a tendency... Uh, to downplay our emotional engagement with God. Now, I'm, I've said through the years, and, and if you watch me, it may come across this way, that I'm not, very, I'm not a very emotional kind of person. Um, I, I would say that I am actually quite emotional. I just am not very expressive. Uh, I'm very um, nostalgic. I'm very, uh, things mean a lot to me. It's just that my expression of them aren't as much. And I've heard people, uh, you've heard me even say in a Sunday service when I'm preaching, you know, I may be crazy. <laughs> um, you may just think that we're emotional basket case. Well, we're not, we're not just emotional basket case. We're, we're born again believers that have come into contact with the creator of the universe. And there's only uh, be expressed through our emotion. Um, there's a lot of people that I've heard dismiss uh, a worship setting or a group of people because oh they're just too emotional. That's it. They're, they're just it's it's not really real. It's just their emotions getting the best of them. But we see in Scripture powerful and stirring moments in the lives of the people of the Scriptures all the time. <clears throat> moments that had to surely affect their emotions. I don't know about you, but it would have gotten fairly emotional for me if I would have been like Moses and stepped out and saw a bush that was on fire but was not burning. And when I stepped a little bit closer, the voice of God comes out and says, mm, take your shoes off, you're standing on holy ground. That would have been an emotional moment for me. Uh, I'm sure it probably would have been an emotional moment for you and was probably for Moses at the same time. And then how emotional Moses must have been when God created a cleft in the rock and hid him and let him just see the, the remaining portion of his glory as he passed by. What kind of emotions were going through Jacob when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord and God changed his name to Israel from supplanter, deceiver to prince of God? To, to something that would would change that would that would automatically draw emotions I, I don't know about you but Saul of Tarsus was probably pretty emotional after encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus when his name was changed and he was blinded and then he, I can only imagine that any of these moments being discounted simply as emotional experiences you see I believe that God wants to touch us, body, soul, and spirit. I believe that he wants to, to, to touch our bodies physically. I believe that he wants to touch our spirits. I believe he wants to touch our souls. I believe that all three of those <clears throat> trigger emotional responses. And I believe that the more 
time we allow God to do that on an emotional level, the closer that we draw together. The reality is that emotional engagement is vital to any healthy relationship. Uh, I, I can't, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't operate my marriage like a robot with no emotions. There's a love that I have for my wife that's decision-based. That means I'm going to love her no matter what. But there's also an emotion attached to that love that says I need to be with her and she's the one for me and I'm the one for her. There's something that's said about an intimacy with God on an emotional level. Do I serve God just because in a robotic sense I know it's the right thing to do? I'm sure that there are seasons in life where we don't feel anything, but we are operating in obedience. But oh my, how much stronger is it when we walk into the presence of God and the tears flow or the laughter comes or that warm embrace from the master comes? There's a, there's a vital connection on an emotional level. And really, that's what John is talking about in John 17. That concept of knowing is an emotional intimacy, an interaction with one another. And he came to see in Luke 19, we already read it. He talked about coming to seek and to save that which well, what was lost. Lost was communion and having that relationship and that emotional connection with the people that he created. So the first thing is spending time with one another. The second one is stirred affections. The third one is one that I'm not as good at, um, but I, I, I'm getting better. But the third one is openness and vulnerability. I heard someone talk about the fact that we often discuss knowing God, but we rarely discuss letting God know us. Um, something powerful happens. Now, God knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so even that concept of letting God know us, really what the the preacher was saying when he said that was opening ourselves up and becoming vulnerable to him because when that happens, he already knows what's inside of us. But when we become open and vulnerable to him, it reveals to us. It lets us see who we are and what we are. <clears throat> and uh, there's something powerful that happens even on a human-to-human -human relationship when we allow someone to see the depths of who we are. You know, yeah, God could technically rip our chest open and force us to bear our deepest secrets and our lives to him, but that's not what intimacy is. Mark 7, and 23, Jesus says this, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. You see, those people knew God, quote unquote, uh, to the point that they could do immensely powerful things in his name, but they didn't allow God to know them, if you will. I never knew you, Jesus said. The, the thing is, is openness and vulnerability. We, Because of openness and re vulnerability, we begin to rely on one another. If I tell you my, uh, if I'm open with you and I'm vulnerable, and I tell you my weakness, I'm now relying on you to help me in that weakness. I'm relying on you to support me in that weakness, and vice versa. If you share that uh, that that fear or whatever with me, then it's it's going to be something that I re you rely on me as well, and that's what God is really wanting. When we share the depths of who we are with God, we come to depend on that person or others. But with God, we depend on we trust them. The proverb says, "Trust the Lord with all thy uh, heart, and, and not to your own understanding." Well. The only way to do that is to be open and vulnerable and share with him 
with everything. Uh, we count on the person that we rely on, that we're vulnerable with. We count on them to be present with us through the ups and downs of our journey. And the result then is increased intimacy. So you want more intimacy with God? One of the keys is to become more open and vulnerable with him. But let's face it, the probably the biggest problem with us becoming vulnerable is fear. Fear of rejection, fear of being made fun of, being fear of crit- criticism. Um, but when we're not afraid, we live the lives that we're meant to live. Uh, you and I step in the fullness of who we're created when we overcome the fears of being abandoned or let down or the fear of failing and, and truly step into the deeper places of risk. Because intimacy is risky. Intimacy is risky. You, you know, you think about back to the first time you, you met your spouse and, and, and you didn't know who they were and that fear, that risk that she was going to look at you and, and laugh at you or, or turn you down when you asked her out on a date or uh, any number of things, even through your married uh, relationship when you're starting uh, to step into new things and buying that first house and buying that first car and moving to that first city. Uh, I can honestly tell you in the things that we've done as a married couple through the years, it's drawn us closer each time we've stepped out where it was a risk um, and intimacy grew out of it. We've we've grown closer together through the things that, uh, and, and I say risk, it's in, in some ways it's a relatively uh, low risk, you know, but at the same time, oh my, when you step out, when we moved to Can- from Kansas City to back here to Minnesota, there was a risk involved and uh, we didn't know how it was going to turn out. We didn't know what it was going to all be like. We were stepping out in faith. It probably wasn't the best time in 2008 uh, Christmas of 2008, the housing market wasn't very good. Everything was kind of blowing up economically. Jobs were were struggling, and yet the Lord opened up the door for us to come. And uh, even though we were fearful in some cases, we knew that God was in it. And because of what God allowed us to step into a risky situation, God has brought out a wonderful, and I wouldn't change anything for it. See, it, part of part of being open and vulnerable is is being open to adventure. And intimacy is is an adventure. It's a necessary component uh, of intimacy. Because when you are willing to go on an adventure with God, you're willing to try things that you wouldn't normally try. Maybe you're not that person that can speak and share and preach or teach, but God is pushing you and pulling you towards that and when you step out into that adventure of unknowing, you'll try new things. And all of a sudden, you'll realize that God is right there with you, embracing you and holding you. And all of a sudden, your relationship is going to become more strong and more intimate together. You see, we can we can take on risk when we're together in, in intimacy. Number four, the fourth key, uh, again, time with him. Uh, is important time spent with with God is important um, and then also having your emotions attached or connected and stirred if you're open and vulnerable number four it the fourth key to intimacy is intentionality um, I think this is probably one of the bigger ones because uh, busyness and distraction are the enemies of intimacy busyness and distraction it's easy to miss the point 
of life and the depth of intimacy simply by filling our lives with distraction and the busyness of day-to-day living. If we amble through our lives without intentionality, without a plan, without we come to the end of things and we realize that we've missed out on so much because we've gotten so tied to things that don't mean as much in the long run. Yeah, they may even be they may not be sinful number 1. Number 2, they may not they may be enjoyable number 2, but they're a distraction from the intimacy that you have that God wants you to have with him. There have been times in my life where I'm sure and I'm I'm positive that I have turned off the voice of the Lord be, when I should have been listening um because I knew that listening to God at that moment would mess up my agenda and mess up my plans and what I wanted to do. But with intentionality comes a willingness to silence the busyness, silence the noise that we allow to creep into our lives and put our focus where it should be. Our focus should be on God. So we need to get rid of all of the other things and be intentional about it. And when you and I step into a place of intentionality, what I really mean is we begin to make more mature decisions not spur of the moment, not not just what feels good for the moment. You see, children engage with things because things are fun. Adolescents engage with things because they're cool. And adults engage with things because they are committed. So go be, see beyond the surface and go deep. I'm committed to such and such. So I am going to make sure that I remove the distractions so that I can accomplish that. You see, intentionality, in one of the things I believe in Christianity, probably as much as any religion, if you will, is we used to call it church hopping. You know, somebody that went from place to place, hopping from this thing to that thing, from this relationship to that relationship. Well, what's really happening? Here's what's really happening is they haven't become intentional with the one thing that God has called them. The Bible talks about the cedars of Lebanon and a tree by the waters that cannot be moved. When you begin to invest intentionally for the long term, you will begin to uh, have an intimacy with God that goes deeper than the shallow soil of constantly being replanted. Um, it's hard to pull out uh, uh, a tree that whose roots have, have gone way deep. It's a whole lot easier to take a young tree that gets planted in one place and move it here and move it here and move it here. But you're never intimate with the place that God has you planted. My encouragement to you is let your roots grow and do it with an intentionality that I'm going to be everything I can be with you, God. And uh, I'm not even talking about, I'm talking about your relationship with God, not a relationship with the church, or, but there's things that uh, are revealed or reflected in our, the way we operate in our hearts with God. And so I want to challenge you today to be intentional in your intimacy. And then last is service. In serving others, we grow intimate with those we serve and those we serve with and with God. The more you are doing, because God was somebody that liked to serve people. Um, and, and and when I say that, we, we sometimes think of service as uh, almost a have-to kind of thing. 
but service is really just revealing our heart of love to other people. And uh, serving the people God calls us to serve, we somehow encounter God. Because God is wanting to, it's like I said earlier, it's an interconnection between me and God, and then the body is also a part of that. And I believe that when we are connected to the body, there's something that happens because if you're connected to the body and serving the body, you're also connecting and serving with God. In telling the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus said this, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did you see when did we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You see, when we serve the least of these, quote unquote, we encounter God. You see, here here's what I have Whatsoever you do in word or deed, Paul tells the Colossians, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's hard to remember. That's hard to remember. I work for a laundry company. I deliver clean room laundry. And it's sometimes hard to remember that while I'm delivering clean room laundry to do it unto the Lord. It's sometimes difficult when bosses aren't doing what you think the boss should do. It's hard when this person is is treating you this way. It's hard when life seems to be unfair. It's it's hard to mow the lawn unto the name of the Lord. It's whatsoever. There's no clarification from Paul that says, you know, do this for yourself, do this for that. No, it says whatsoever you do in word, what you say, or indeed, what you do, do it all. Do it all in the name of the Lord. That's the concept of service. And when you do that, you become intimate with God in a way that you'll never imagine ever becoming intimate with him. I have come in June 16th, 1980, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at Camp Galilee in Great Cloud Island, Minnesota at our camp meeting and it was one of it was the one of the most exciting days of my life but can i tell you as a 10 year old receiving the baptism of the holy ghost as exciting as that was i have through the years realized how much more excited i am when i watch somebody that i have been serving that i have been leading that i have been influencing watching them receive what god has for them and them receive the baptism of the holy ghost and to hear their testimony Oh, man, that makes my heart jump. And, and, and what is that? Why is that? Well, here's the reason why is because intimacy comes through service. And as I'm servicing somebody else and I see what God does with them and connect with them, it draws me closer to God and I reconnect with God in a more intimate way. And so I would challenge you today, these five points, time spent, stirred emotions or affections, uh, openness and vulnerability, intentionality and service. If you can get those five things operating in your life, just get ready to become so intimate with God. You'll never imagine it. Uh, it could be any better than that because this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I pray tonight and over the next several days that you would find a place 
of intimacy with him that you've never experienced before. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Take these five steps. Pull away over the next couple of days, just for an hour, just between you and God. Just just become, let your emotions, put some music on and let your emotions be affected and stirred by the presence of God. Allow yourself to open up to him and be vulnerable to him. Allow yourself to set certain time frames and parameters and be intentional about that time that's spent with God. And then begin to find somebody to influence and somebody to serve and just see how close you get to the Lord Almighty. Praise God. It's my prayer that you would become intimate with him. Could we just bow our heads and pray? Jesus, in your name we pray, O oh God, that you would be with each one. Lord, I'm thankful for this time that we've spent together. Lord, should you, Terry, bring us back together in a future day, we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May you have a great, blessed weekend, and by the mercies of God, we'll have our service up and running on Sunday again online in the afternoon. God bless you. We love you all.